Hi, and welcome to the 13th Gate, where you're gatekeepers. I'm Kat. I'm Amber. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to start out with a little bit of a disclaimer, because we are doing this really, really early in the after, like it's 5 p.m. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there may or may not be lots of barking, lots of noise. I am also baking things right now, so... <laughs> Um, if you hear things and if you hear me go ow or whatever, I probably cut myself. I'll be fine. It's okay. No worries. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, so we, we've missed you guys. We've been like, it's been a little chaotic in our lives. Some schedule changes, some holidays, some things moved around. Do yeah. apologize for it all. Yeah, some, some life drama, cause why not? But we're back and we're planning on posting that one. And we might even record a couple more just so that we have them. We're not sure yet. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we tend to rant and ramble anyway throughout the day, so we figured let's give them what, you know, we promised. Absolutely. Um, We don't like missing days, but it happens sometimes. Or missing days. Missing weeks. (laughs) She's missing days. I'm missing weeks. We're all missing hours. It's fine. COVID. We're backwards. (laughs) (laughs) But what's on tonight's topic? So... I heard, now this is a topic that, I don't know if it's like, I guess, I don't think you could call it controversial, but it's one of those where it's been debated a bunch because it is either, some people think it's a real thing, some people are like, nah, that ain't real. So, I'm going to tell you a story. Because I can't just tell you what's going on. I got to tell you a story. Okay. So, in the 1940s, yeah, we're going back. We weren't alive yet. Well, some of us. I am um, not that old. <clears throat> yeah, no. <laughs> not yet, anyway. So, back in the 1940s, there was a young lady named Maybelle Andrews. Maybelle went on a date with her boyfriend, Billy, at a Soho nightclub. They were, you know, they were getting down, they were booking, they were doing the Watusi, literally, doing the Watusi. Well, that's an actual thing? Yes. Oh, I thought that was just like a made-up word, like thingamajigger. Oh, no, no, no. It's real. It's a real dance. Well, I just learned something. Welcome to Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ended up having a grand old time when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Miss Maybell erupted into flames on the dance floor. Well, that's not the way you want your date to go. So, one report stated that the fire began coming out of her back, chest, and shoulders quickly engulfing her head, lighting her hair on fire like a wick. Now, in the 1940s and 50s, what 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 was the trend? Oh, hide heaven. You want that hair up there. Yep. And, and, and what did you need to use to do that to keep it where it was supposed to be? I'm not sure what they used back then. I think it was cement, but I know Aquanet was a big thing for <laughs> years. And let me tell you something. That can withstand the bread on, like, a bridge crossing the river between two states. I can guarantee you that. I've done it before. But it is also highly flammable. Yes. So, I'm going to take it. Funny an- side note. If okay. you put it inside a potato cannon, along with some book spray and some other stuff, because you are my brother-in-law and not very smart, and then it finally does ignite because that potato they jammed in there was too big and we told you it was too big, when it flashes and backfires on you... You will lose your eyebrows. And as a tan ginger, then white dashes, and that receding hairline that you now have the courtesy of the potato launcher, 
It's pretty. It's a real pretty look. <laughs> Looked like he had like a white headband on and dash marks above his eyes. Nice. Go. Okay, it was not a great look. <laughs> Very nice. So, now, <laughs> hey Amber, what do they teach us as kids in school if you ever catch on fire? What do they teach you to do? Stop, drop, and roll. So, <laughs> apparently they didn't teach Miss Maybell this because she began running around the room and screaming for help in terror and pain. Her boyfriend Billy and some of the other dancers rushed to put her out with like their hands and like somebody threw a top coat over top of her and like I guess they all smacked the shit out of her to get the flames to go away. The police were called. Um, and even though she was taken out of the club alive, she passed away in the ambulance from smoke inhalation and probably other issues. Her boyfriend, Billy, was brought in to speak with the coroner, and he stated, I didn't see, I saw no one, and this is a quote, guys, I quote, Billy quotes, I saw no one smoking on the dance floor, page flip, there were no candles or open lights on the tables. I did see her dress catch. Did, I didn't see her dress catch fire from anything. I know it sounds incredible, but it appeared to me the flames blazed outward, as if they originated within her body. Other witnesses corroborated his story. Like so, a lot of other people said the same thing, pretty much. The coroner, as well as the other witnesses, were like totally baffled. They had no idea. They were like, "Well, I don't know what to do." The coroner, James F. Duncan, stated, In all my experiences, I have never been confronted by a case as fantastic as this. I can find no reason whatsoever as to why the deceased clothing and hair caught fire. So, this story spread quickly, you know, and all that, you know, because you know how, you know, gossip, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's total bullshit. Oh? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bullshit story. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's an urban legend. But wait, there's more. I love the fancy ride you <laughs> take us on. I was all concerned for Miss Mabel. But we're it, bad for her, and it, now all of a sudden she's not real. Miss Mabel's urban legend is actually based on the true story of one Phyllis Newcomb. I like the name Phyllis better. Yeah. Mabel sounds like, wasn't that the cow in one of the animated things when we were a kid? It might have been. I think that was the name. I do associate that name with, you know, TV shows and stuff like that, too. Um, So, August 7th, 1938, in Chelmsford, England. And please tell me if I said that wrong, because I got this from other places, and the way that it was pronounced is exactly that. Chelmsford. But, the CC's Supporters Club... Had, ju- had just thrown a community dance to celebrate the first match played by the Chumsford City, which is the Chumsford City is the CC part, football club. Not team, club. This took place in Shire Hall in Chumsford, and it's verified. Like, there's actual, like, police reports and documentation and whatnot. Um, page flip. Sorry, guys. In case you hear ruffling, rustling, whatever. You all know what I meant. So one of the attendees of this ball was 22-year-old Phyllis Newcomb and her fiancé, Henry McOsland. They sound so fancy. They really do. Like, those are some... Like, money names. Yes. 
Like, they got money moves. Henry McAuslin III. Right. Esquire. Not really sure what that means, but... So that night, Phyllis wore a white tulle dress with satin embellishments and a dark blue sash around her waist. I love how detailed that is, because I don't remember what I wore on Tuesday. And Tuesday was yesterday. Hmm. Uh, t-shirt and jeans for me, thank you. I just don't remember which t-shirt... Not sure I even got so, out of pajamas. I mean, apparently the, the two the two had a great time all night long. They stayed a little bit late chatting to um, kind of avoid leaving in the crowd. Because, you know, you go to a party and it's, like, time for everybody to, like, start leaving or leave. And you don't want to get caught in that traffic. So you either, like, leave really early or you stay really late so that you can get out of there without having to deal with sitting and, like, waiting in line for all of the other people to skedaddle. Yeah, it's like when a concert lets out or whatever, you don't want to be sitting in the parking lot for 35 minutes right so basically the ballroom was on the second floor of the shire hall and while they were exiting harry was in in front of her walking in ahead of her they were heading towards the stairs suddenly henry heard screaming from behind him and he turned around it was miss phyllis he said, like, all out of nowhere, her dress is on fire. Like, it ignited out of nowhere. It seemed to just combust into flames going up her front. She instantly turned around and ran back into the dance hall. And just as she reached the dance floor, she collapsed to the ground and was really badly burned. Now, I don't know what, you know, kind of things that they had going on, like, style-wise over in England back at this point in time because, like, they don't really teach us their history after, like, the kings and queens of the old days. You know, like, you you know, you're, you're, you're um, King Henry and, like, um, Anne Boleyn and all that, like, whatnot. So I have no idea what kind of, like, I don't know if they were doing the sky-high hair stuff like, we, you know, we were over here or if they were more, like, proper in other way I don't know so I can't tell you if this was like another like possible like too much hairspray like kind of whatever it doesn't say it engulfed her head so I don't know so the ambulance called and however it doesn't arrive for 20 minutes because basically the town was like itty bitty so the ambulance had to come from like the bigger town over so the ambulance like took 20 minutes to get there you know, they didn't have, you know, the resources to get anybody there quickly. So, that's unfortunate. But Phyllis didn't die in the blaze. No? No. She was hospitalized, and she actually even seemed to be making a really good recovery. She had people visiting her. She seemed lucid. But, unfortunately, the wounds that she got from the burns turned septic. She developed pneumonia, and she passed away a few weeks after the fire. Um, and the fire took place on September 15th, well, she, yeah, the fire was September 15th, 1938. Now, what's funny is, where is that? Is it over here? Yeah. So, oddly enough, we've got two different dates in this timeline. So, I think she, the, uh, the fire happened on August 27th, 1938. Okay. And I think she died September 15th, 1938. Because she died a few weeks after the fire. So Okay. Yeah. It was a little confusing, but... 
So her sister, her sister's name was Edna. And Edna reported years later that Phyllis had been drinking champagne in her hospital room during her recovery. Some people think that may have been why her wounds had gone septic. Was because she was drinking champagne. Um, she had been in such, she had been on such a good track to recovery. She was celebrating and speaking with friends two weeks before her death, and she was just very vibrant at that point. So even though investigators thought they figured things out, it didn't explain. Or wait, sorry, I skipped a paragraph. My bad. Investigators who were looking into the fire. They, you know, they believed it was something like an ember or something left smoldering on the floor, which then caught her dress on fire. And even though they thought they figured it out, it didn't explain where the ember in question came from, like how it got there. So they came to the conclusion that Phyllis's dress had been cleaned six weeks earlier and thought that something flammable had been left on the dress. So they attempted combustion tests. Okay. You know somebody just wanted to play with fire. Like, you you know. Sounds like something I would do. It does. That's why I came to that conclusion. So they tried cigarettes, and they found that it wouldn't catch with just a butt. It would have to be an open flame to light the dress on fire like it was. They were stumped. They had no, they had no idea. So on paper, Phyllis's death was ruled to be due to an unknown fire. The spookiness is where the urban legend came from with some added broken telephone game causing it to spiral into the rabbit hole, making it more dramatic. Since it was such a mysterious death, reporters scooped it up and then sensationalized it even more. So, like, you know, they they took it, they ran with it, and over the years, they kept playing with it, they kept retelling it around time, the time balls would happen. So, in 1967, the Maybell Andrews story that I sold first was written down by somebody named Emil Schumacher. Schumacher. That sounds like a schmuck. So, he added a boyfriend named Billy to the story. And that's what really cemented the Maybell story into, like, urban legend. Because, you know, whatever. In some places, people actually do think Maybell's real. And you can even find this, both the Maybell Andrews story and the Phyllis Newcomb story on the same pages. Hmm. Um, some people believed that Phyllis's boyfriend, Henry, might have been the one responsible for her fire. Because at the time she caught fire, he was the only one around her. He was also the one to suggest it may have been a lit cigarette that caused the fire. It makes sense that since the front of her dress is what caught, and it would have been something in her path in front of her that caused the fire, and Henry was, well, he was walking in front of her at the time. Hmm. Um, although, you know, that's, that's alleged, 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 alleged. Um, however, the coroner did not find any used matches or cigarette butts in the path that Phyllis had walked when the incident occurred. Although, they might not have looked right away. Hmm. Because, I mean, when did the coroner look? They took her away, but when did he actually go look for that stuff? You know what I mean? Like, when did they investigate? Because by the time they got back to investigate, somebody might have cleaned everything up already. Very good point. You know how things go 
So there is a theory, which is called the wick effect, that her clothes acted as a wick and the fat, not that she was excessively heavy from what, you know, I learned, fueled her burning. Um, so basically it was said that she might have, like, that. it also was said that she might have known who threw the match or lit cigarette. However, when she was asked by investigators before her death, she simply stated, and I quote, why? What does it matter as long as I get right? Here's my thing. As a firefighter EMT, I've seen a lot of unique situations, we'll call them. Your skin has multiple layers to it. Skin, unfortunately, is very unique in the fact that even after a fire is out, the heat continues, which is why you're told to cool a burn, because you literally continue to cook. However, to say that the fat is flammable, it's... Well, hold on, because if you go back to days of the old, the old, old days when they did lighthouses, mm-hmm. they used whale fat. That was their source of ignition, and that's what burned. I think that's kind of where they were coming to that conclusion. I get that. It's just... it. I mean, I don't know how that works if it's still inside your body, but I think that's where they came to that conclusion. Okay, you're familiar with uh, Centralia of Pennsylvania. I haven't, yes. Okay, why... For those that don't know, what is it, Kat? It's a town. It's actually part of the Silent Hill movies, video games. Um, it's a town where it was a coal mining town, and something I don't not don't I don't remember exactly how it happened, but everything underneath the ground caught fire. So and because of how much coal is down there, I think it's coal, isn't it? It was pockets of methane gas. And okay, and, and all that burns so, to today. Yeah, it still burns today, and the town's literally abandoned. Um. And they caution you from, like, entering it, but I don't think anybody stops you from entering it. It's basically an enter at your own risk, and if you die, like, ain't nobody coming to save your ass, because they don't want to die either. But literally, underneath the entire town, it's still literally caverns of fire. Yes. Because it's a continuous torch due to methane gas. Right. Here's the thing. If your fat was starting to burn, like, a wick... Or a fuel source under the skin, it's gonna keep going. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna literally have a shit ton of more issues. It's infallible, but I understand why they came to that conclusion. Right. At the time, my issue with the whole thing is, if it started from her, where was the initial burn on the dress? Right, and that's not listed anywhere, like, where they you can find. Like, it's not given to us commoners, I guess you could call it. Because if it's the bottom fringe of your dress, we heard your ankles did not catch fire. I mean, don't get me wrong, chub rub is a thing, but you got to have some thick thighs and ankles for, for your ankles to be clapping, let alone at the right, what would call ignition. Although on a hot day, if you're a chubby girl and you do run, you swear you could set your thighs on fire. Just saying, in case you were wondering. But, uh, if it's the fringe of your dress, I'm going to say she stepped in 
something that was already lit or brushed up next against something. But there's also things that are harder to detect once they dry, especially back then with science. I mean, look at rubbing alcohol, cat. Yeah. How fast it dries. And as you don't know it was there. Yeah. But that sucker will burn. So it makes me wonder if something wasn't deliberately spilt and then burned and then dried. Because once it dries, it dries clear. Right. I mean, especially since, like, she, it was just her and him in that room. Nobody else was there. Nobody else saw anything. I mean, obviously, at some point, they probably heard her scream. But according to the story, it was just him and her. I mean, there's been numerous stories of people smoking in bed and somehow igniting their whole bodies. There's been ones where they've had oxygen tanks and somewhere. Nothing is burnt but literally the place where that person is sat and the perfect outline. I've never, ever, ever seen it. I can't imagine a situation in which it really could occur. Medically speaking, it doesn't make much sense. However, there's weird things that I'm sure we don't know about each case. Oh, absolutely. There's probably things that were... I mean, honestly, if he... If it was the fiancé, he could have picked up the offending cigarette butt or match or whatever before cops got there. Exactly. Because it doesn't say that he tried to put her out. It just says that she ran, she collapsed, and that was it. Okay, but if you flicked a match onto her, onto a dress that might have just... Oops, I spilled my drink, but it wasn't really my drink. It was rubbing alcohol. Somebody flicked a match at her. She's now on fire. How fast does... Rubbing alcohol burn. I mean, even that. Like, you have regular alcohol. They make drinks and set them on fire all the time now. Mm-hmm. That's a new thing now. It's, like, the cool thing to do. So, it could have been something got spilled on her dress earlier in the night. And maybe she was somehow magic enough to dab whatever it was out of the white dress. Like, the white lace front dress. And and, and, what, and whatever. Well, I was thinking because if there's no... Well, I mean, you wouldn't see the color amongst the burn anyway. But if something was spilled on her and then a match was carelessly flicked, I mean, matches burn. Literally, they burn. That's what they do. Let alone if you're running around flailing, it could have ended up anywhere. Right. And to be honest, that when they did the combustion test, I mean, if 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 y'all were paying attention... They literally said, like, a cigarette butt wouldn't do it, but something with an open flame would. So if he lit a cigarette and then just kind of flicked the match, because, I mean, honestly, back then they just didn't care, you know, and it got on her and she had spilled something on her, plus whatever chemicals were left on the dress from the cleaning, that could have, that could have been the reason that she lit on fire. It literally could have been several mishaps at once that just happened to occur and... Right. And unfortunately, the problem with stories like this is, like you said, it's a telephone game where if you've ever played it, you know, I might start off the story by saying my car is silver. By the time you get to the last person, I suddenly hate monkeys and have a bad cold. How it happens is just little evolution. Somebody gets it completely wrong. And it's, I mean, it's a fun game to play with kids, but as adults, you really have to step back and go, okay, what is plausible? And for me, spontaneous combustion is just not plausible based on everything that I know. 
I mean, I think that there are extenuating circumstances and certain things that are weird, but how many of those happen with a cigarette button because the fire was so intense at that moment, the cigarette literally disappeared. It just disintegrated. It was gone. Well, I mean, a lot of women will wear nighties that are satin or silk. Um, those materials burn quickly. So, yeah, there's a chance, depending on the bedding that you're using... You're going to burn, but maybe the bedding might not as quickly. I mean, some of the pictures that I looked up for it were really fascinating. Um, Because it's literally like a burnt spot, a chair, and the chair is kind of burnt, but not completely gone. But the person's body is completely gone. The only thing left is like a leg. It just, it all fascinates me. It really does. But if there is such a thing as spontaneous human combustion, we're missing some major key elements in... The actual situation. Right. I mean, I honestly think that, like, this is one of those topics that, with the knowledge that we have now and the things that we're able to test now and do now, I really kind of feel like they should go back and look at these cases again. And if there isn't an an, an instance where it happens, I think they should collect as much evidence as possible and present it to the the right people And not just, like, one set of people, but, like, several sets of experts so that they can all, like, look at it, research it, you know, test it. Because, honestly, you know, the way we figure things out, even with all the technology, is one person could have that one epiphany moment and go, wait, what about this? And it's the most ridiculous thing. And you have, like, five people going, no, that that, it would never happen. And then you find out it was. In order for fire to take place, you have to have the completed fire tetrahedron. I don't know if you know what that is. I was just going to ask you if you were speaking another language, but... (laughs) (laughs) You need oxygen, a heat source, and fuel. Well, I knew that. I just... That word was not... Triangle. Tetrahedron. Three sides. Oh, you're being fancy again. Okay. That's literally what it's called, the fire tetrahedron, but that's not the point. Anyway, in order for everything to happen you need to have the oxygen you need to have the fuel for it and you need to have the heat for it well yeah so if you do not have a combustion source you do not have enough fuel to adequately support or something you know burnable and you don't have the oxygen it's going to stop burning it's going to put itself out however the ignition source really seems to be the issue and the containment of the quote-unquote fuel seems to be the issue. You're right. It's, for me, I, I think, honestly, it's one of those things where it's implausible. I mean, I I am of the sound body and mind because, I mean, Amber is very, very scientific, very, you know, if I can't test it and I can't, like, have a point A to point B with it sometimes and I mean this is not for everything she does this is for certain things she's very it doesn't happen pretty much but I'm a little bit more on the fantastical side where I feel like it's possible I don't know how the hell it's possible I, I don't I don't understand the logic behind it but I'm not I saying it's impossible I'm saying it's improbable okay Based on what I know. But then again, things are left out. 
Absolutely. We are missing a whole bunch of, like... Key details. And absolutely. If we had a coroner's report in front of us with pictures, we probably would be able to be like, all right, this makes sense, that makes sense. But I guess with lack of ignition source is where they're... That's where they're... That's basically where they're getting tripped up. The ignition and the fuel sources are what caused them to go... Well, I don't know. And I, and honestly, with it taking 20 minutes for the ambulance to get there, that's plenty of time for someone to go pick up the offending match or cigarette or whatever. And a lot of times people don't think anything of that kind of stuff. They're just like, oh, I was cleaning up the room trying to get it. Right. And if nobody was in the room with them and then he went and did it, they're not even going to know he did it. Which is a very good point. So there was nobody there, was nobody there that was going to question whether or not he did it or not. What was picked up? What was moved? What was... So then it comes down to, okay, was it an attempted murder? That's a great question right there. I mean, or it could have been something absolutely careless. Oops, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I wasn't paying attention. I, I'm not going to put blame on a guy that I don't know or I have anything about or know what kind of character he had. If she was so blasé about it like she was, like, why does it matter as long as I'm getting better kind of situation? It might have legit been an accident and it might have been that he went and saw her and he was there with her every day and he apologized all the time and still wanted to be with her. Because I can't imagine a lot of men are going to want to stay with somebody after they've been badly burned. I also can't imagine a lot of men... That would be like, um, my girlfriend randomly busts into flames, but I'm totally cool with it. Right. That, that, that's a high-stress situation. Is she going to do it again? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, for me, that would be absolutely terrifying. Um, I look at if something has happened once, what is the plausibility or probabilities that it would happen again? And then if this is somebody that's constantly setting themselves on fire, I'm sorry, sweetheart, you're not somebody I want to sleep next to. Um, right. I get into some good sleep, and I don't want to have to constantly be like... Oh, it's warm in here. Wait, is she burning? Yeah, but that was back when they still slept. Most of the time, they still slept in separate beds anyway, so I think you would have been good. Okay, great. So the flames are coming towards me, and I'm sleeping. Like, uh uh-uh, honey, I'm sleeping by the front door. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. (laughs) I mean, it's one of... Absolutely. I get where you're going. (laughs) I get where you're going with it. Why cause yourself more headaches and more problems, you know? There's right. plenty of fish in the I sea. I mean, what happens if, you know, you're with her and she gets pregnant and she does that? Um. I mean. Okay. I, what, what if it's a trait that she passes on to the child? Now you got this little <laughs> baby combusting every time you change, change diaper. Like, that's a hell of a fire game already. I mean. I mean. If you've ever had a little boy, you know how difficult it is to change a little boy's <laughs> diaper anyway. So now you got a fire hose and a flames. Great. Thanks. That's just a fantastic game of dodging death. I mean, at least they put themselves out. <laughs> you would hope. You would hope, but they're unpredictable with their aim, so that's then again, fantastic. Meanwhile, they're putting the fire, the, the non-existent fire on you out as they're... Oh, that's like the Incredibles, the baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's... You know, I'm going to have to debunk this one and say, you know, as of this point, with the amount of information we have, I'm going to say it was something blown out of proportion and that it's not credible. Oh, well, the first story was blown out of proportion. That one was literally fake and taken from Phyllis's story. With Phyllis's story, we don't have enough information to really 
you know, say it. Now, I do have another story that leads you to a mystery because we're only about a half hour in on this, so I'm not sure what we're going to do on the next podcast. <laughs> like, I have no idea what's going to happen. So this one's kind of a mini at this point, so we're going to go on a little further with it. I was listening to another podcast because I do steal some of my ideas from other podcasts because, well, they're brilliant and I love them. Um... So they tell me about things, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's really fascinating to, to talk about with Amber and with everybody else who might be listening, which is, like, what, five people now? Woo! I think we got five people now. Hi, guys. <laughs> um, uh, so they were, she was telling the, like, she, wow, you weren't telling me the story. So the other podcast that I listened to was telling me this story about some, about like, and this is actually a Pennsylvania thing. So if you live Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, <laughs> you can actually still go visit the site of all of this, but it's about Pennsylvania Dutch. Oh yeah. So basically there's this thing called powwowing. And I, I, I know y'all, I know what y'all are thinking. Because that's what we're doing right now. We're powwowing. However, oh. this is not the same thing. Oh. So, the Pennsylvania Dutch were fascinating human beings because they had their own little, like, um, it's like witchcraft, but not. Okie dokie. Um, it's kind of like folk magic. And or, and or Reiki kind of all mixed together in a way, but not at the same time. Oh, and speaking of Reiki, we are going to have somebody come join us in the next couple weeks who's going to give us a lot of insight into that, so. We're going to have a guest host. Woo! We're going to have a guest host. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to meet her. <laughs> um, so this is like Pennsylvania Dutch. This is York, PA. Um, it's healing magic that has pagan influences and is intertwined with Christianity. Okay. So that sounds like a very interesting kind of mixture of things. Their meetings were literally called powwows, and that's where the, that's where the name came from. That's where the term came from, powwowing. Um, they use the Bible, um, for incantations and, quote, spells. Um, and they called their Bible the long lost friend. I like that. So whatever like things that they took out of the actual Bible they would to use and used, they would write down like what it was, what they used it for, how it I guess they probably put notes in there about how it turned out, how it worked. So they cataloged each thing. Pretty much. Like it you know, like you do. Um so that you know they were Christians. They went to church every Sunday. But they also participated in these very pagan-like rit rituals. It was really fascinating. It was like they had two religions. Hmm. Which back then probably was looked at by a lot of people as a bad thing. Nowadays, I think it would be... Kind of both. It would be good and bad. Because some people still don't like the fact that there are other religions allowed. And then other people are just like, hey, they're like me and you. Believe what you want, worship what you want, do what you want, just don't preach it at me. If you'd like to let me know about it and educate me on it, if I'm if it's something I've never heard of before, I'm cool with that. But don't shove it down my throat. Because 
yeah, that doesn't work here. So they believe that their power had to come from God, not the devil. That's why they use the Bible. Power was passed down. It was the seventh son of the seventh son that had a huge amount of power. Wait, seventh? The seventh son of the seventh son. Okay. Yeah, figure that one out. Um, like actual sons or like sons? Like like actual sons, like your children. Like Noah's my firstborn, so I'd have to have like Okay, I wasn't sure if they were talking about like the seventh day of the seventh month. Now, all of these sons supposedly had power a little bit. All the other ones, they did have some power too, but not as much as the seventh one. He was like the, the golden child. Not like I don't only have girls. Right. I'd have like 13 <laughs> girls. That would suck. Come here, puppies. Come here. So, in the 1920s, because this is in the 1920s, people believed in this holistic healing more than in scientific doctors and medicine. Okay. So they would go see healers with their crystals and incantations and rituals instead of going to an actual, like, medical doctor. I kind of get that. So, there's a story that I was told. Well, let me... Let's, let me, let's, okay, so Cat's we'll, getting lost. <laughs> let me, before I jump to other things. So people go to these healers to get unhexed. Oh yeah, we've got hexing. Yeah. They, now, these healers, they never asked for payment, but they, they kind of like, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, go ahead and like, offer up a donation, throw it in the donation bucket out front. Hmm. But they never directly like... It's going to cost you this much money to do it. But they were like, if you've got something, you know, if you've got a little bit you can spare. Kind of like the collection plate at a church. No, I have to wonder if that's one of those, like, you didn't have anything to offer up if later on they came back for a favor. They probably hexed you. Oh, jeez. Wouldn't be surprised. So you have to get, like, payment for each hex to be unhexed. That just seems like you're going to be going around a whole bunch of people. Right. But they were, like, these people were really well-respected and, like, all-knowing. Okay. Like, they were awesome. So, Powwowing with the Pennsylvania Dutch is a book by David Cribbles. Cribbles? I'm not exactly sure how he wants that pronounced. Um, and sometimes, in, in the book says, sometimes they would have a person with a wound chant, and I quote, Blood through must stop until the Virgin Mary bring forth another son. Hmm. So basically, you know, the blood has got to stop coming out of the wound until the Virgin Mary has another son. And well, what are the chances of the Virgin Mary having another son? Because she 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 passed. She gone. She gone. <laughs> so in powwow magic. If you're hexed, you need to know who exactly hexed you to be able to remove the hex. Oh man, that's like when your ear rings and you're like, oh, well, that could be a lot of people talking about me. So, regular medical doctors and scientists, and this is a disclaimer from them, say that being hexed is a psychosomatic thing. The only reason you have the symptoms is because you believe so hard that it's real. So that's basically like a um, compulsive liar or a narcissist 
going on and on and telling you, like, this is what happened, I'm the victim, you're not, you're the bad guy, and they believe it so much that, well, to them it's true. I mean, I've had people literally afraid of different things over the years practicing medicine, and, you know, it really comes down to some of these people believe full-heartedly that they are under attack from one thing or another, and my ambulance over the years has been everything from Batman-proof to Penguin-proof, not the Penguin from Batman, like actual penguins. Yeah. Um, it's been Ghost-proof, it's been Santa and Reindeer-proof. Um, oh. He didn't care about the elves, though, so I don't know if we were proofed from that. Um, we've been... Oh, we were we were proofed from Rogue Police um, and X-Men. Okay. Okay. I'm sure other things, but those are the things that I remember at the moment of all things that we've had to be safe from in order to transport our patients convincingly. Cool. And I mean, at no point I don't think those things were ever going to buzz into the ambulance anyway, so there's really I mean, no way of proving me wrong. However, I mean, if we I, did get pulled over by a flock of penguins, I would be I, I can I can say that I honestly appreciate the fact that you guys are willing to go above and beyond to make me feel comfortable, and I can say that there is a chance that if I ever have to go on an ambulance again, I will be asking if the ambulance is proofed against certain things just to see what they do. <laughs> Honestly, like I said, what are the odds Batman's gonna come and rip the back doors off my ambulance? Like, right. in that case, Batman and I are gonna have some problems. You don't even need to worry because Batman and I are gonna be going around and around over why he ripped them out from my back of my ambulance, and he better be handing over his insurance because he's a multi-millionaire. Don't think I don't know that. You better hand over that insurance card because <laughs> I know you got the good insurance. <laughs> like, I'm not don't even play. Like, when it comes to my patients, whatever makes you comfortable, I will go above and beyond. But there are people that so strongly believe that they are under attack from these things that you they are in full blown panic. Right. And you need them to be calm so that you can treat them properly for the other thing that is ailing them. And it's it's sad some I mean, it's sad that sometimes people won't go above and beyond. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to feed into delusions. However, there's a difference between feeding into a delusion and then telling somebody that an area is safe for them. I mean, it's literally like telling, like, a little kid being afraid and you tell them it's a magic bus that's going to fly them somewhere. Like, what's the difference between that and telling a, an adult patient who has issues mentally with... I don't look at it like that. It's like, you know monsters aren't real. A little kid might think that they're real. So what is the harm in putting a little water and spray bottle on telling them it's monster spray? Right. It's giving them courage to move forward when they're literally paralyzed in fear. Absolutely. I agree. I'm 100% with that. But we're off topic. Well, not really, because I mean, <laughs> when it really comes down to it, if you really do believe in something, it is psychosomatic. It is. And it is, a, like, you will present physical ailments because of it. I mean, everything from nausea and vomiting and everything else. I mean, there are some people that convince themselves they're pregnant. And, and literally engorge and oh yeah, go through the full the cycle and they'll produce milk and everything. Yeah, I've seen it. I've heard the story. Well, I've not seen it in person. I've seen the TV shows that have it and you're just like. But these women, I mean, they'll go past the nine month mark and swear to God, I'm just baking a little longer. The one woman um, was literally, it was like 13 years she swore to God she was pregnant for. Oof. And I'm like, oh, honey, that, that's overdue. That's way overcooked. Yeah. Your turkey's burnt. 
Like, <laughs> not to be me, but uh, <laughs> right. Thirteen years. I mean, you're giving birth to a middle schooler. You got some problems there. Okay, so that's out. like a that's like another podcast. We're gonna have to go into that one at some point. That's what if not, you can convince yourself be... to have pregnancy symptoms? Like, think about something like that, where somebody is telling you that they've made things bad in your life. Now, every time you stub your toe, you're like, oh man, that's them. Right. Everything that you do, every ache and pain in your body, you're suddenly starting to think, oh my god, they're influencing my life. Yeah. A loved one has something happened to them, you're going to feel guilty because you're like, wait, is this me being contaminated? Like, I can see how it could escalate. Yeah. I get it. So there was one guy that was a powwow-er, a powwow, a powwow healer. Powwowist. We'll go with that. I don't know. His name was Andrew Lenhart. He was very, very powerful. Very, very feared. Very, very respected. It was said that even the police wouldn't mess with him because to remove a hex by him, you'd have to conjure the devil himself. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was, wow. Okay. Like, wow. Um, so here's a side note. Give me a little side note here. And I don't, I don't, I have to look it up because I haven't had a chance because craziness. Apparently, an owl hooting after a certain time of night is a bad omen. Now, I've heard if it's three nights in a row that you hear the owl who he's summoning death. Possibly. I don't know. I didn't look it up yet. I'm going to. If anybody has looked it up or you're doing it right this second while you're listening to us, please let us know. Um, you can also look up the York Witch Trials. Um, if you want to know more stuff about all this. So, okay. So, this is where this story connects with our human combustion kind of thing. It's not technically human combustion, but it has the same, like... Undertone? Kind of. It has some of the same, like, um... Attributes. Yes, thank you. So, there was a guy named John Blymer. And he was a seventh son of a seventh son. So as a child, homie was like sick. He was sickly. And whatever. He went and like had healers heal him and he got better. Well, he went and worked on a farm for Norman Raymer and his family as a teen. And he left the farm to go work like an adult job and get married and all that. And he started getting sick again like bad like it was bad and it was like all this stuff like he was getting sick he swore up and down he was hexed but he didn't he couldn't figure out who who would have hexed him because he would heal people like he was a healer he did all that um he would heal animals animals loved him um so there was this that and the other thing well he went and um in the 1920s this is all in the 1920s remember so he ended up, he did end up going to see like a regular doctor and the doctor was like, this is what's wrong with you. Like you're not hexed. This is this, that is that, blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know, stuff happened and the doctor tried to tell him like, it's all in your head. Like you stop believing that you're, that you're hexed and you're not going to be sick anymore. Like you should be fine. And dude was like, yeah, no, you're bullshit. Like you're a quack. Um, and left. I think he went through, like, two wives, um, because the first one ended up not being able to deal with the sickness and stuff, 
Okay. Homie made friends with like a 14 year old boy. Like mm. besties. Like homie was besties with this kid. He worked with them. He was besties. Like they was besties. They was tight like you and me. Okay. Um, so he ended up going, this guy, um, John, went to this other powwow healer who was a woman who was like described as being like over 100 years old. She was ancient. But she was good at what she did. And she told him that he was hexed. Well, he kept having to go back to her and go back to her and go back to her and bring her offerings and bring her offerings and bring her offerings and go back to her. And eventually, he and another family found out that, and the boy, because apparently now the boy was hexed too all of a sudden, that all three of them were being hexed by the same person. Hmm. And they were all being hexed by Norman Raymeyer, who remember from like three minutes ago was someone that John was working for as a team like he had was on good terms with him he didn't understand why he like why would he hex me so they want they wanted you know she she the lady told him you need a piece of his hair and his um his 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 book his his ritual book and whatever so they went to go confront him now, these retarded-ass men, it was John, the boy, and the other guy who owned a farm, like, right next to Norman Raymeyer's farm. They were, like, they were being hexed, his family. So, that other guy who owned the farm, it was his son that went with John and the boy to go confront Norman. And they went with, like, clubs and fire and pitchforks and, like, weaponry. Oh, yeah, because nothing says, let's fix this like a mob. Right. That was only three people mob. It was a cute little mob. It's a petite mob. Right, it was a trio mob. It's like a boy band. <laughs> they might have been missing a couple people, but I'm sure they could have found two more. I think most boy bands have to be like five and above, but, but that's not the point. Eh. So, they went to his house. He wasn't home. They waited until after midnight, and he still wasn't home. So, oh, hi, Tweet Tweet. Thank you. Anyway, sorry, guys. Got distracted by a bird. Um, so they went over to where his Norman's estranged wife was staying. With all their weapons. Knocked on her door. Where's your husband? And this woman looked at them and went, <laughs> probably with one of his whores. <laughs> He'll be home later, guys. Have a nice night. <laughs> and they left. And they went and waited back by his house again. And waited and waited and waited. Now... They showed up at this woman's house with all their weapons, asking for her husband. Remember that, guys. Remember that. He comes home. They confront him. They fight with him. He was, like, six foot three and, like, over 200, 300 pounds. Like, he was a big dude. It took all three of them to get him down on the ground and hold him there. Okay. He's he's like I don't have a book I, I don't I don't have it I don't have it I don't have it blah 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 I didn't do it blah 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 obviously they probably like somebody probably sliced some of his hair off at that point then he finally fesses up and he's like yeah 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 I do have it let me go get it I'll go get it and they let him up and as soon as they let him up he attacked well they start beating the crap out of him with their weapons. Because, well, he went after them now at this point. Now, this is all, like, their story. Because it was them and him. And so they beat him to death. 
Well, they beat him. And he's, like, half dead. And the one guy kept beating him. And then, he, you know, he's on the ground. He's, like, I don't know if he was conscious or unconscious or whatever. But he's moaning and groaning and, you know, like, ow. Um, they poured accelerant of some kind on him. I have no idea what it was because I don't know what they had in the 1920s as far as accelerant went. Um, that was, like, just randomly available. And they lit him on fire. Oh. But. And he, he did die. Spoiler alert. He, he, he did. They killed him. But the but is the fire only stayed where he was. Like, it burned him and the floorboards that he was laying on and nothing else. Hmm. So, like, they left the house thinking this house is going to burn to the ground. They'll never find any evidence. They won't know what happened. They'll think maybe he fell asleep with the fire lit or something. And it'll be fine. They left, and it literally only burnt him. And when he, like, didn't show up, wasn't plowing his fields, wasn't doing stuff, people went to check on him. And they found him. Well, hey, jackasses, you showed up at his wife's estranged wife's house saying you were looking for him that night. You you caught. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, so they got caught. They got put in jail. Um, John... Blymeyer was paroled in 1953 at the age of 56. Okay. He's the one who actually delivered, like, the killing blow. No, I have to say, for back then, that's a pretty old age. Like, that's... Right. Um, so, the house, which has a couple different names... It's either called Raymire Hollow or Hex Hollow or Hex House Murders is, I think, what you can look it up at. One of the things you can look it up as. It's in York, PA. The house still stands. They let you, like, I guess you have to pay, t- you know, buy, buy tickets or whatever, but you can tour the house. And the charred floorboards where he was burned are still there. And the son, the son or the grandson or whoever it was covered them in plexiglass to preserve them. Hmm. So you can actually still go visit this house today. Well, maybe not today, because COVID, but... Interesting. You know what I mean. So, I mean, that that's pretty freaking cool. Like, we might be going to do that at some point. Um, I'm definitely interested. I mean, that's... I want to go. I, I'm not exactly how far away York, PA is, but at least I've heard of it. Vacation. Right? <laughs> it's one of the cities in Pennsylvania that I've heard of other than Philly. Because <laughs> we all know I'm not a fan of Philly. <laughs> Too many people. This is more of a country kind of thing, I think. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I know it's not like surrounded by like skyscrapers and smelly things and assholey people. I mean, there might be assholey people, but just not as many. We are so technical here. I know. But yeah, like that's, that's, yeah. I mean, and that's how it links up to what we were previously talking about with the combustion is you have this, um, the charred floor and the fire literally stayed right where they put it. So whatever accelerant they used might have been a rubbing alcohol type thing. Hmm. 
where it burned up real quick where it was and didn't have the need to spread. I mean, then again, you're talking about old farmhouse 1920s. I mean, you would think there it would go up like kindling. My experience with older homes is, unfortunately, the construction in the old wood burn fast. Right. But this house, literally, it burned where he was, and that was it. Hmm. That was it in the world. Makes you wonder. It does, it does, it does. But, we are pretty much out of time for this episode. I believe we're on number 10, by the way. Are we really? I think so. I think this is number 10. Wow. Um, so we've made it, we've made it this far with our, like, five viewers or so. <laughs> if there are more of you, please come to the 13th Gatekeepers on Instagram and let us know. Or email us at the 13th gatekeepers.com. And that's 13th spelled 13th out, not the numbers. Um, let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys. Say hi. We're friendly, I promise. I mean, weird, but I actually we're think we know all of you, by the way. Or at least one of us knows all of one of us. Some, one of us knows some of you. You know one or the other personally, and the other one you have not had the chance to meet yet. Hi, I'm Kat. Hi, that's Amber. Hi. <laughs> um, but hit, you know, join the Instagram. Tell your friends about us. Make them listen. We're weird. We know it. But you know what? We feed people. We adopt people. We're friendly in the most part. And we're adorable. Are we? We are. Yay. <laughs> I've been informed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. That's it for today. Well, for this episode. <laughs> You guys take care, stay safe, and we're locking up. And um, we'll see you soon. All right. Bye. bye.